this episode of Seeking Wisdom, we sat down with Brad Stolberg. Brad is the author of a new book called Peak Performance, uh, which Ariana Huffington called an essential playbook for success, happiness, and getting the most out of ourselves. Pretty good, right? Uh, Brad was a consultant at McKinsey before diving into the world of personal and professional growth. And now he has a business where he coaches top CEOs when he's not busy writing for New York Magazine, the New York Times, Outside Magazine, and a bunch of other places. Uh, Brad actually caught DC's attention uh, when he wrote an article about work-life balance and the myth of work-life balance at the end of the summer uh, for the New York Times. And so we tweeted at Brad, and said, hey, it'd be awesome to have you come on the podcast. We think this would be a great topic. He said, let's do it. And so we met up with Brad a couple weeks ago when we were out in San Francisco. Uh, We uh, went over to Brad's apartment in Oakland to record this episode. So I think you're going to love it. It's a little different take. It's all about... uh you know, personal and professional growth, uh, not really a marketing and sales uh, conversation, but that's what Seeking Wisdom uh, is all about. So I think you're going to love it. Uh, and in particular, the thing that I love was Brad's formula, which is stress plus rest equals growth. And we talk a lot about that on this episode. So don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already uh, and say, hey, on Twitter, I'm at Dave Gerhardt and David, aka DC, is at DCancel. All right, let's get into this episode of Seeking Wisdom, episode number 95 with Brad's Stolberg. Yeah, all right, this is hot. Cool. <laughs> Let's roll. A bunch of them. All right. Uh, all right, so we got a. That's true. We got a special it's guest. We all have here. the same haircut. Yeah. Uh, we have a lack, special lack, lack of hair. <laughs> lack of haircut. Yeah. Uh, we have a special guest today on Seeking Wisdom. We're live in Oakland. This is a new location. Oakland, California. A new location for us. We're mm-hmm. live in Oakland. Um, so I, I, you know, I pulled together a couple notes. We got a couple things, but I was just He's reading. The taker of the bunch. I'm the note taker. He just he just rants. Uh, so this was going to be my intro, which is like, you have this guy that we're about to talk to, about to introduce. You have raving. You might call them five star reviews. I think, mm-hmm. which we get a lot of on this podcast. Uh, people like Ariana Huffington, uh, Dick Costello, Ryan Holiday, Daniel Pink, Adam Grant. Our boy Rich Roll. Um, these Rich are all people. The these are, we'll have to talk about Rich the man in a crush. second. Yeah, the, yeah. Um, so, and you're an author of a new book, frequent writer for New York Magazine, Outside Magazine, uh, and Human Performance. You're a coach, former McKinsey consultant, Brad Stolberg. Thank you for being here in your apartment. <laughs> Thank you for joining me and, and having me on the show. I yeah. uh, I really like your guys' show, so I'm stoked to be on man. it. Well, I'm That's super awesome. excited. You know, I ran into. Do you want to talk about the article? About I want you to you? talk about the article because right. I thought you wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I sent it That's to the you. Best thing. So like, we're kindred spirits like, here. Yeah. I was sitting on the couch, like looking at Twitter. I'm like, DC. He ha- he's he's in my Snapchat, Instagram, email, Slack, text message, and now he's writing ghost written articles in the New York Times. Yeah, and sending them to me. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I came across the article. It might have been through Twitter, and uh, so I I see this article about um, work life balance, and of course I have to click on it right immediately because this is a hot topic i talk about all the time or or rant about all the time and then i read this article i'm like holy shit this guy is one so much smarter because he was able to eloquently you know put this uh in you know something that i always rant about and so i sent that off to dave and uh it did look like something that i had written totally kindred spirits and we well we had just it was funny because we had just talked about something similar on seeking wisdom and it's funny because we've probably done 15 episodes on work-life balance so maybe let's there's so many things we can talk about with you but let's start there so this was like this is how we got connected so about a month ago you wrote this thing for the new york times right yep what was it so it 
it was a, it was a story about work life balance, but it actually made the point that this notion of balance that is so commonly talked about in in the culture is, I think, an illusion, or maybe not an illusion, but not something that we ought to strive for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Love to me, work life balance, as it's generally spoken about, um, is kind of like going through the motions, right? Like you clock in, you clock out, mm-hmm. you have your hobby, you have your family time, you go to sleep, you wake up, you repeat. That's very, very different from going all in on something and being super passionate about what you're doing. Um, And I started thinking, the times in my life Mm -hmm. when I've been most happy and alive have been the times when I've been the least balanced. When I was writing a book, the only thing on my mind, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, jot down notes, my runs were dedicated to writing a book, like that was it. I I couldn't really even be in public. It's like I developed like a social disorder because (laughs) my book was just, that was it. It was all consuming. Mm -hmm. Um, I spent a summer hiking in the Himalayas during that time period. That was the only thing I was focused on, right? No devices, no nothing. Super happy. Um, falling in love with my wife. Like there's a six, at least in my relationship, there's a six month period where like you just kind of know that she's the one. I wasn't thinking about anything else. So during these times in my life, I had no balance. Mm -hmm. I was completely consumed. So I was kind of thinking like work-life balance, maybe it's the wrong thing maybe what we should be striving for is to find the things that we're passionate about and to go all in what? but then i started thinking well wait a minute like that can be dangerous too yeah because if you go all in without the awareness of what you're going all in on or what you're sacrificing as a result you can come out the other end of it with all kinds of regrets um so in a nutshell the the essay was just like me kind of dumping my brain for the new york times which is kind Pretty of wild cool. in and of itself yeah yeah um, but where I came out is like that we shouldn't strive for balance. We should strive to pursue things that we're passionate about, but to do it with the self-awareness to evaluate the trade-offs along the way. Why do you, why do you think like, why, why, why could we do a hundred, why could we have a podcast called work-life balance and talk about it every day? Like, why, why do you think this is something that, why is, do you think it's such a hot topic? It's, so it's such a hot topic. It's always come up. It's always been a thing. And we like, people still can't figure it out. Why do you think, why do you think that always comes up? I have no idea why why we have this need to, to always uh, harp on this thing, but I think like my view on it, and I love one thing that Brad said at the very end, which is this important footnote, which is having this being aware mm-hmm. of when you're in and out of balance. Because I think for a lot of people, that's the missing part, and I'd love to talk more about that. But I think in terms of why people bring it up all the time is like I think people have been sold some Hollywood story about like, you know, that my life is supposed to be some 1950s, you know, I work exactly eight hours a day, never ne- never 801 hours per day. And then I go home and I play with the kids for exactly one it's like hour. A script. Yeah, it's we, like a script. And then I then I talk to my wife for 30 minutes and then I go to sleep for exactly eight hours and then I get up and exactly work out for 43 minutes. Like, I don't know, everyone's been sold this story and then no one can live up to that story. Right. And people think that that's the path to happiness, mm-hmm. but then they, they're not happy because yep. they're failing to live up to that story. And then like, God forbid, one of those things gets thrown out of balance. Whew, then you're news. like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do today? This was supposed to be my 43 minutes to, to work out. Yeah. Or do and I only had 40 minutes to yeah. work out. Not 43. Right. I wish you could, I wish I had like a, I wish we could play this video right now. So we, we work in this, uh, in this building and there's a huge company that is next to ours. Okay. Um, we have like roughly 50 employees. We're an early stage company. This company huge publicly traded company and every day at 501 just there we have two escalators outside the whole company just pours out of there and i can just every time like i've gone for a walk with him or he'll just text me or i'll see him out 
I know that drives him insane because you hundreds just see of fat thousands hundreds, of people just literally five hundred one just boop you which, know, t- which, time which, to go which to me means like what's going through their minds at four fifty exactly exactly and forget like for the company like for themselves like yeah. I mean that again you know to each their own and I, I really try to be values neutral in having these conversations but um sorry if that's my water no, bottle I knew it was going to yeah. do that these are great um the try to be values neutral in having these conversations because like maybe you know maybe that lifestyle is better like mm-hmm. where i find myself struggling personally is someone that i kind of call a pusher is i struggle to be content mm-hmm. and sometimes i have envy for people that can just have that balance and like kind of be content and like yeah. not want to push to the next thing um but yeah in my opinion coming back to like those times i felt most alive it's when you're not looking at the clock to see when 445 450 rolls around mm-hmm. but when you're engrossed in what you're doing and someone's actually having to pull you away from it. Totally. I'm such a similar personality because to me, when I see them and, you know, teach their own, the only thought that goes through my head is, wow, how that sound, that seems like they're working in a jail, in a jail, right? Like this is like a prison sentence that they have. And they, every day they right. have to wait till 4.53. I must get on the elevator by 4.53 to make it down because it takes me seven minutes to get downstairs and I need to be going on this escalator at 5.01. If not, you know, things are not going to be great. Yeah. How did you get into this? Like, um, how did you get into this world? You were, um, you were at McKinsey. You were a consultant. Yeah. So I, you went to Michigan? I went to, went to Michigan, was a consultant at McKinsey, went back to Michigan for graduate school, uh, studied public health mm-hmm. and became really interested in just wellness so not necessarily fixing disease, but mm-hmm. making people healthy and thrive. Um, and if I had more patience, I would have probably done some research and maybe pursued a PhD. But instead, I became a writer, which is <laughs> like yeah. the PhD without the research, without the research um, yeah. and without the degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and since then, I've covered um, pretty extensively psychology, health and science, um, and, and then based on just personal interest and in kind of the, the circles that I've been in through my life, it's it's gotten more narrow into what I call human performance, mm-hmm. which again, health, like if you're not healthy, you can't perform at the top of your game. And if you are performing at the top of your game, you generally feel pretty good. So to me, the, there's tons of overlap between the two. Yeah. And what's you, where are you on the spectrum of kind of um, on, the, on mindset and human performance? Are you just on the pure mindset, non physical part of it or are you all the way on the other side ben greenfield you know like yeah i'm not i'm not all the way on the other side yeah. i know enough physiologically to be dangerous mm-hmm. but my wheelhouse is more mindset yep um i also coach uh, a handful of athletes entrepreneurs and, and some executives and that's all mindset stuff mm-hmm. so i would i feel comfortable writing a training plan for a runner yeah but that's not my expertise yeah and how did you zero in on the mindset part of things it's just what interests me i've always yep. kind of followed my interests mm-hmm. um and I think that there there hasn't been that much focus on the mindset side of things. So there's some more fertile ground to explore. And, and I think there's more novelty there um, versus the physiology. That said, like I say there's novelty there. And like so many of my principles of how I think about mindset go back to the Stoics. Yes. Which is like 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So mm-hmm. how much novelty really let's, is there? Uh, let's, go, let's go into this mindset thing. Because we haven't, we talk about this a lot, but we haven't done an episode like where mm-hmm. we talk a lot about mindset. Um, and I saw you're reading, you got some stoicism uh, that you're I've following read, yeah, right now. Stuff, you know, yeah. back. Yeah. Um, what, what, is, what is your like kind of philosophy on, on mindset? Like if you, if, you, if you had to, you know, start there. Stress plus rest equals growth. Yep. 
It's a section exactly. in my book. Yeah. Okay. And it's really how I try to live. Stress mm-hmm. plus rest equals growth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is, if you think about, I know we said we're not going to do physiology, we're going to do mindset, but let me just take a quick detour yeah, to we physiology. Can we yeah. can do both. Do you think about how you make a physiological muscle stronger? Yep. Like your bicep muscle on your arm. You have to stress it, right? You have to lift a weight that mm-hmm. breaks the muscle down and tears mm-hmm. it. But if you lift way too heavy of a weight, what happens? You end up getting injured. injured. Like you tear yeah. your bicep tendon. If you lift like a two pound weight, you could sit there all day. Nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You have to find a weight that works your muscle just about to fatigue, embarrasses it, but doesn't totally crush it. Mm-hmm. That's step one. That's like the sweet spot weight. Step two is if you just lift that weight all day, every day, you're mm-hmm. going to end up literally like literally burnt out. Mm-hmm. So what you need to do is you need to find that weight that stresses the muscle to get a stimulus but then rest and recover in between sessions so the muscle gets stronger. And I think that that is a pattern that holds true for everything, for how to grow cognitively, yeah. how to grow creatively, how to grow emotionally, how to grow in a relationship, perhaps even it. how to grow a company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you right? why? What do you love? I love it because, uh, because it, something that we were talking about before we started to record was that the fascinating thing to me is that all these patterns are the same, right? And one of the things that we talk about at Drift, which is our the, our company, is that that kind of our values, like just us as the founding team, is like is this like work hard, play hard, right? It's not about like this you know false sense of balance, but it's like when we're here, we're going to work hard, we're going to go for it. But equally, we need to rest and recover, and we need to do that hard. So this is something that back to patterns, like this is something that elite athletes have nailed. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people that have more elite cerebrals have not yet nailed. So what happens with athletes is you keep your hard days really hard and your easy days really easy. Mm -hmm. Stress, rest, growth. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you get stuck in this middle zone Mm -hmm. where your hard days are never that hard because they can't be because you didn't take your easy days easy. And that middle zone is where careers are ruined Mm -hmm. and you stagnate. Mm -hmm. So how I like to think about it, whether we're talking about athletes or like a corporate athlete or a creative, someone that works with their mind, is that too much stress without enough rest leads to injury, illness, burnout. Not enough stress, too much rest is complacency, stagnation. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, I think that you could scale this all the way up to how organizations function. I totally agree. And what what do you see as the commonality now that you have clients that are both athletes, elite athletes, and entrepreneur CEOs. Like, what are there over? Is there a hundred percent overlap? Is there just common patterns that you see? I think that the the most common pattern is in intrinsically motivated, driven people. Mm-hmm. It's not about stressing more. It's about holding them back. Yep, and making sure that they that they respect the rest. So the rest part, right? Yeah, they they have the stress. They're good at the stress. The people right. that are coming to you, right? Yeah. In in, in in helping them reframe rest as not mm-hmm. being something that is separate from the work, but a part of the work. This is like, I think that's a subtle shift yeah. because like, if you think of rest, like I'm going to step away from work to like go on a day hike in Yosemite or like, I'm just tired. So I'm going to sleep 10 hours tonight, even mm-hmm. though I was supposed to do work. That is like, you're sacrificing work to rest. Mm-hmm. But if you shift your mindset and think of it in the stress plus rest equals growth, it's all a part of the same cycle and the same thing. So then that day hike in Yosemite isn't like a luxury of missing work. It's like odds are I'm going to have 10 creative thoughts on that hike (laughs) that are going to be the best thing for my work. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to feel better. And if I feel better, I'll, I'll do better work. And you know what a key part in there for me is that by flipping it, you're removing the guilt right? You're removing this guilt factor that, pe- that someone might have of like, oh, I'm skipping work to go to Yosemite, which 
guilt leads to more stress. So like they're piling on the stress. Totally. And like, I would just, I would just ask, you know, both of you and, and then I guess listeners, like I know myself, I have had all of my best ideas, not while I've been actively working on the thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My best ideas come to me when I'm on vacation, when I'm out for a run, when I'm just like chilling out. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm actively trying to problem solve. When I go on a run, I just let my mind go. Mm -hmm. But I solve problems that I literally for three weeks had been thinking about and could not solve. So I am like so convinced of the value of stepping away Mm -hmm. and rest that like to me, not resting is sacrificing good work. Totally. And you know, the way I think about that is that, or the way I interpret that is that the stress was both were equally important, right? The stress was important because it was kind of what got your brain thinking about this, right? And it got you thinking about this. But then the recovery gave you the space away from it to actually process something that you had been going through, right? It's not like if you only had rest, right, and no active stress, right, that you'd be coming up with these ideas. It's interesting that you go there. So in the creativity research, um, the the prevailing theory of how creativity works is exactly what you just said. Mm. So it's three stages. You have immersion, which is you're actively problem-solving, thinking about what you're working on at the whiteboard. You have incubation, which is now you've primed your brain, so you kind of let it sit. And then you have insight, which Mm -hmm. is that aha moment. And in a very micro level, this is why people tend to like have breakthrough thoughts in the shower because you've been working on something all day. Yeah, exactly. You step There's away, a, your subconscious mind turns on. Aha! We, it wasn't the shower. It was, no. You know, that we, was we talk about we talk this. We talk about this a lot. And one of the favorite. Uh, There's like this. You know, David Ogilvie's this old school copywriter, one of the best creative guys ever. And he and he has this thing where he's like the way the secret to like good ideas is like you stuff you you feed your brain with all that information, right? And then you unhook your subconsciousness. So like that could be, you know, you're reading a ton of books, listening to podcasts, writing a lot. You're not actively thinking about that problem. You're just, you're constantly doing work. And then when you're playing golf on a Saturday morning, riding your mountain bike, right? Work, working out, going for a run. That's when that idea hits you because you've unhooked that subconsciousness. But the stress part is feeding that brain. And that's why we talk about like learning so much mm-hmm. and just consuming, you know, the, the best people that we work with. And the smartest people are like the ones who are always learning and always consuming totally. information because that's when like the, that's when you unhook this ability to, to create ideas. I, I know for me personally, I never read books. I never cared about any of that stuff. But in the last couple of years, I really doubled down on learning. He pushed me to, to, to read a lot and learn a lot. And now like, it's never been easier for me. I feel like I have more good ideas now than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And that's a competitive advantage. And what I notice is it's because I'm reading all the time and learning all the time that when we're in the Uber on the way over here, I'm like, Oh yeah, what if we did this thing? And that's, that's a direct product of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You're priming your brain. And then mm-hmm. when you step away, it just does its thing. Does its thing. What led you to write the book? Like what was the what was the sequence? Um, I burned out pretty hard at McKinsey before mm-hmm. I knew about this stuff. Yeah. I was one of those people that no one really held back. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just kind of became apathetic and mm-hmm. like physically wasn't in a great spot. And how I started... M- how, much were you, how much were you working? Tell me he hasn't been around McKinsey people before. No, we have like a... A lot. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to lionize it. Probably like 16 to 18 hours most days. Yep. So it's like... If you were to exercise, you're not sleeping much. If you were to like have some time on the phone or, I mean, just it wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. And some of it was by choice. Like I can't blame McKinsey. McKinsey is actually a pretty great place. It was Mm -hmm. more me. Like you could always be doing more. So Mm -hmm. I was always doing more. I probably could have worked like 10 hours a day. I mean, I feel like 
me now at age, how old am I? At age 31 is yeah. so much more mature than I was when I was right out of school. And I thought like, I, you know, maybe had a fragile ego. It's like, mm-hmm. I got to work, 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 work. Yeah. And like prove myself, prove myself. And you're around other competitive people. Other yeah. Super smart so, people. so I was working a lot. I burnt out pretty hard. And then I started learning this stuff. Um, and in, in, I guess the real point of the book is to help people like avoid the traps that I fell into. Um, and in not only achieve peak performance, but do it in a way that's sustainable and mm-hmm. that they can feel good about. Cause if you can't feel good about it, then it's not going to be sustainable. And uh, your lowest point post McKinsey, like what was your journey or like, what was the hero's journey for you? Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think my lowest point was probably like the, I had some like physical symptoms, Mm -hmm. like my hands and feet were always cold, just like crazy cortisol response. Mm -hmm. Like it it wasn't healthy and I knew that. Sure. Your body's saying stop. stop. Was it it hard for you to be like, because I'm assuming you didn't just discover working out now. Like I'm assuming you, you had been working out and running your whole life. And then when you went to McKinsey, you kind of just had to turn that off. No, I cut that on. It was probably sleep that Mm -hmm. I sacrificed. So you you didn't sacrifice the working out part. Right. Right. Totally. Um, So it was just all stress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no recovery. No recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, in in, I went to graduate school, and that was kind of my pivot point. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to study public health because at McKinsey, I worked on a lot of healthcare projects, mm-hmm. and I really liked healthcare. And and again, I have. I'm not just saying this to be politically correct. McKinsey's a great spot. I learned so much. I learned how to think. I learned how to problem solve. Mm-hmm. It was more me. So like, I didn't have the tools to turn off the drive. Um, but whatever it was worth, I ended up pretty burnt out. Um, and then when I went to public health school, I thought like I'd study like healthcare economics and policy. But I became really interested, um, like I said, by more of the not disease fixing, but thriving and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, and started writing about that following graduate school and kind of have built a little niche in that area. And what's your, what's your kind of habits that you have every day to ensure that, that you are at peak performance? Like what's your... So I try, I try to practice program. what I preach. Yeah. I shoot between 50 and 70% probably, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which, which isn't terrible, <laughs> yeah. but it, yeah. it could be better. Like mm-hmm. I'm human. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exercise is just absolutely huge for me. So I have a daily physical practice. Generally it's running. If I don't run, I'll lift weights. Mm-hmm. Um, but just some sort of exercise. For when, how long? When? Yeah, and when? Um, I do it in the morning. Okay. Uh, What'd you do this morning? This morning I did a seven mile run and then like 20 minutes of just hamstring rehab. Okay. Um, so just like some weights after what time? So generally, and this morning was general, like seven thirty to nine. Okay. Um, so I'll wake up really early, um, five thirty to six. That's when my thinking is the clearest. So mm-hmm. I'll put in like an hour to an hour and a half of deep focus work. Then I'll go exercise, which kind of like sets me up for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So so five thirty alarm goes off. You roll out of bed, open up the laptop, and start writing. Like no, right not necessarily. It? No? it can be reading. It can be editing what I did the day before. Sometimes it's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I wake up, my brain just kind of like starts yep. and I follow it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it can just be like even like reading for pleasure. Yeah. But like in that hour, like in as a writer, reading for pleasure feeds into the work. Totally. But yeah. but that's but that's an intentional that's an intentional decision. Is like you you know you're going to work out at seven. You could wake up at six thirty, stretch for twenty minutes, and then go run. But you make the decision to get up at five thirty to have that. Extra. Yeah, it's when I feel best, yeah. but I'm not forcing myself. Mm-hmm. Like that's like I that's just when I feel yeah. best. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So physical practice is one big thing. Um. Sleep. I try to sleep eight hours a night. I think sleep is super important. So that's the other thing. And then just recently, and I write about this a ton in my book, and I haven't really had it stick. But just recently, I've started to um, meditate more frequently. 
What form? Um, mindfulness meditation. I'm yep. using the Headspace sure. app. Headspace, yeah. Um, yeah, I had some, over the past month, I've had some like very like out of nowhere kind of like rise in blood pressure. And it's probably like, I'm just like stress, stress, stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, you get I, a physical I, feeling yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And I know that intellectually mindfulness works cause I've written yeah. about it and I've mm-hmm. always told myself like, well, running is my meditation. Mm. Different. But it's different. Yeah. So I've I've started to now meditate. Um, I, I this I two actually, by ten minutes a day, just over the last month. Mm-hmm. But I've been sticking with it. Two times a day, ten minutes. Two yeah. times a day, ten minutes. It's spaced out like morning, evening kind of thing. Yeah, at least like a few hours between the two, morning, okay. evening. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say I never believed in the meditation stuff, and this winter I started to do it. I have stopped doing it since, but just like. We, uh, my wife was pregnant, work was crazy. We we're having a baby, trying to move to an apartment. And I had like, I had, I had this like internal anxiety, right? Like where you just feel like, oh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to download Headspace and I'm going to see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so I would spend, I just would start starting my day with Andy and his pleasant voice. I from- was just going to say, this could turn into like <laughs> yeah. a plug for Headspace. Yeah. Like you can just like sit there and listen. To, like uh, the, the real app should yeah. just be Andy Pittacombe talking uh, to you for 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah. I want him to narrate my life. Yeah. 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 So my wife does it. I do box breathing. I don't know if you've tried box breathing, but no. it's another, it's an app. I, I learned about it from, um, I forgot his last name, but um, this this um he's got this thing called seal fit down in uh oh yeah 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 uh, mark mm, what's his last name i can't remember but uh mark we'll find it we'll put put, it in the show notes yeah put it i've read his book before he's got like this mindfulness mark siffin that's a different one okay uh, anyways paleo guy yeah uh but uh but he anyway he's got this box breathing app and he had talked about it a lot uh it's not his app it's just a method and it's basically what you do is it it has progression built into it which is great for people probably like us, right? And so who obsess around progress. And basically what you do, it's a breathing pattern, right? That forms a box. And you start out with, let's say, two seconds and you you breathe, you hold your breath for two seconds. Uh, you breathe out for two seconds. You breathe in for two seconds. And you hold your breath again for two seconds. And you keep completing the box. And then what you're doing over time is building the, uh, going longer. Now it's three seconds. Now it's four seconds. Now it's 10 seconds. Are you right? practicing? Yeah. 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 And yeah. so yeah, what I like about it for me is, um, cause I had tried headspace and some other app, mindfulness apps, like 10% happy, yeah. happier. Yep. And, um, and the act of listening and kind of trying to process, you know, his voice, which is amazing, was too distracting for me. Mm-hmm. And I needed something that was active. Just like totally in, in yeah. your breath. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So you're so in your breath because you're trying to follow the box pattern yeah. that you tune out everything. That you're just lost in repeating the pattern over and over again. And so the, for the me, that was The other thing that good. you said that I liked about that, too, um, was like the with, with Headspace, the, the hard part is to like... Let's say you're about to go on stage and speak or you're about to do something and that might get your heart rate up a little bit. It's harder to just sit down for 10 minutes. And so uh, I haven't done as much of the box breathing stuff, but I, I like the idea of like, oh shit, I'm about to do something that's going to induce a lot of like anxiety. Let's this make like four boxes. Exactly. I could yeah, do this for a minute or something like that. Yeah, you can yeah. do it anyway. Yeah. Anywhere. You yeah. could be standing online are somewhere. You pulling, you could be, are you pulling up? Yeah, I'm going to pull up. And uh, it, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because this is something that came up in the book. I think it depends on the level of angst. I think like there's... Right. There's angst that can like truly be like debilitating. Like if I get up on the stage, I am screwed. Yep. But then there's like the kind of like jitters. Yep. And for the jitters, what I found in researching the, the the book is that all the research says you actually shouldn't try to breathe that away. You should just reframe it as excitement. And you oh, should be like, I'm like the reason that I'm jazzed up. The reason that like my heart's beating a little bit fast. The reason my body temperature's up is because like evolution has primed me to be completely 
like ready and locked in for things that matter and this matters. So I'm going to go crush it. And when, when researchers had people reframe their anxieties, excitement, Mm -hmm. they performed better in speaking and they had a a better self-rated experience. That's awesome. Let's remember that. So I think it's interesting. And I do that Monday. You do that before I get on stage. Like I never got too nervous with with public speaking, but like, you know, I had some jitters and I'd always used to like try to calm down. But then what you're doing when you try to calm down is a couple of things. First, you're telling yourself that something is wrong because I need to calm down. So that's like already kind of bad. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not trained in box breathing, which yeah. I'm not, like what ends up happening is you take four deep breaths and like it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So yeah. now something's wrong and I can't fix it. Like, oh, shit. And Brad Stahlberg up on stage, yeah. author of this book in stutter, 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 like fidget, not excited. Yeah. The flip side of that is just like, okay, like the reason I'm feeling this way is because like I'm about to speak to 100 people. Like let's nail it. Mm-hmm. And just that subtle shift can go a long way. What I like about that, too, is that you're reframing it so that it's um, you're trying to amplify it, right? You're trying to be excited and you're trying to instead of going the opposite way and trying to calm yourself down and then being pushed out there and having to get yourself back. Amped totally. Up, you're pushing yourself right in the same direction. Right. Yeah. This guy's name is Mark Divine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark That's Divine. the guy. Yeah. yeah so he's the guy uh, who I've heard talk about the box breathing thing and uh, download. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out. I think you'll like it. All right. So. I meant to say, you go to bed at nine o'clock? Um, yeah, actually, how'd you know that? Right around nine. Cool. You said you slept at, you said eight hours is really important. Yeah. And then five, I'm not good at math, but I know nine to five is eight hours. So roughly. Yeah. All right. No, I, I, I didn't mean to grill you on like time, but I I think that's what, I think that's what a lot of people don't, don't share is like, I'm super interested in it personally. And we try to make seeking wisdom, like what we'd be personally in. So yeah, I just love hearing like, I love hearing like, Oh, this is what time he goes to bed. This is when they work out. This is what, so Mm -hmm. I love hearing that. And when you're working out beyond it being part of your daily practice, are you always shooting for some goal, right? Some end goal, like some run or some triathlon. Yeah. It depends. I cycle. Yeah. How did you pick seven today? Like where did seven miles come from? So right now I will probably run a marathon later this year. Mm -hmm. And what I do is I cycle between very goal focused, measurable objectives and just like walking in nature. So what happens is I train for a marathon, which for me is like a three to four month because I have just like a base of running like block. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then I finish the marathon and I don't want to think about looking at a watch or my heart rate or (laughs) weekly miles for like three months. Yep. So then I go to, uh, here in Oakland, Redwood Regional Park is gorgeous park with just 30 miles of trails and huge redwood trees. And my exercise will become spending an hour to an hour and a half moving in the park. Mm -hmm. Some days I run, some days I run hard, some days I walk, some days I walk and I sit and I just like breathe in the trees. And then after two months of that, I start to get antsy again. And I'm like, I kind of want to start running fast and training for something. So that's my, that's my cycle. But I do find it's really important to do something physical for, for me every day. What I loved about when you were describing your cycle is that it follows the same pattern that we were talking about before the show, which is the ebb and flow, right? It might take right. you three to months, three to four months cycle, and then you want three to four months off, and then you just follow totally. You couldn't spend you couldn't spend a year training for a marathon. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it's it's back to that like before the show we're talking about like and, and to kind of come back to where we started for a minute. It's back to this notion of balance. So mm-hmm. like to me, that's a balanced approach. Mm-hmm. But when I'm training for a marathon, like I'm not balanced, I'm in the zone, yep, totally right? In. So I think that like, ugh, it's kind of a circuitous way to get there. In the end, like we probably are actually after some kind of balance, oh, totally. but the balance we're after is not going through the motions every single day. It's having periods of all in intensity, following by periods of reflection, recovery, recuperation, mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think like when you think about balance over a life, it can be six to 10 periods of being all in on something spaced out with some, you know, some white space in between, whatever it is. And that's a really balanced life, even though at any given point, that person was probably horribly unbalanced if you just met them. Yeah. And what was the process? So I'm curious about the book. Like how did, I'm sorry for jumping all around, but like, no, this is fine. So you went in through this process of you wanted to write this book. You took some amount of time. I don't know how long it took you to actually put this book together. It sounds like there was a lot of research. Yeah, it, the, it. the writing itself happened really quickly. Hmm. Um, the first draft, and I wrote with a co-author. So my co-author yeah. is Steve Magnus. He's an uh, elite sports guy. Um, so really was able to bring in some more granular detail from that, that end of things. Um, four months to turn around the manuscript. But That's I, amazing. But, That's but right. yeah. or and... I'd been thinking about this stuff, and so had Steve for like the last three years. Yeah. Did you have notes? So like three years stu- and four months. Did you, have yeah, stuff you, did you have stuff you've already written? Like, yeah, I had. Some, it, I had some. I had already written about some of the stuff in the book. Um, I take meticulous notes when I read, so I had all kinds of notes. It wasn't like this is an idea. Let's learn about it and write. It was more like we both are really interested in this idea of cross-domain performance, mm-hmm. and we both have a pretty well like versed take on it in a repository of notes to explore further. So let's test some of our hypotheses and, and try to write something that puts, puts all of this together. Because yeah. you know, what's new in the book is the connections across domains. Like We're not original researchers. There's no original research. But what's new is like looking at how an athlete trains, how an artist produces great work, and how an entrepreneur launches a company. Mm-hmm. And each of those things are studied in very like deeply, but they're studied in silos. So we try to look across those silos to pull out these patterns and we feel that those patterns that hold true across domains are closer to the actual truth. Mm-hmm. And so for like one of your clients, let's say an entrepreneur, I don't know, let's yeah. just say. Let's just say yeah. a, uh, a CEO. CEO. A CEO with a strong attitude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, tell me what that, what, what does that look like? Like what is, the, what is the initiation part look like? What is the day-to-day, what does the practice look like uh, when you work with someone like that? Let me translate. What the hell are you doing with the CEOs? That's what I want to know. So initiation is um, recently, especially since the book came out, um, people are reaching out to me, which is super awesome and humbling. And and I thank you for those that maybe reach out to me. Yeah. Um, Reach out to Brad. Use the promo code Seeking Wisdom. Yeah. um, (laughs) Right. You get headspace for 10% off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Um, No, we're just kidding. kidding. But seriously. um, I tend to work with, with almost everyone with the exception of one client that is likes to be in person and happens to live close by um, via Skype. Okay. And generally, it is like a six to eight sessions. Some, mm-hmm. some people do four, four to eight sessions mm-hmm. um, weekly or every other week, working on just developing mental skills that will help people in their unique situations. And then after that... Um, like to graduate people. Like I don't want there to be dependency, right? I'm coaching them and giving them skills and then they use those skills. Uh, I do have some clients that, that like to check in, uh, I don't know, monthly, every two months. Different because what most people, most people like most coaches would just want to like, um, just have that client forever. Right. And don't have this idea of graduating them. Yeah. I is really cool. I, yeah, I like, well, and part of it too is like, I am not a therapist. So the things that I deal with are much more structured and concrete. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if I do a good job, I can teach someone, give them the toolkit Mm -hmm. and then they can apply it. And like I said, you know, some people do follow up 
five months later out of nowhere. I'm in this really interesting situation, or maybe I've regressed a little. I haven't been practicing with tools like help bring me back up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wouldn't have enough stuff to do if I met with someone weekly for perpetuity. Yeah. What would, would be an example of a, of a project that you'd work on them? Like you said, it was structured. So the, I, I guess when I mean structure, I mean like it, it's helping folks develop a toolkit. Okay. Right. So like one tool is like how to become self-aware so you mm-hmm. can evaluate the trade-offs that you're making when you're going all in. And there's mm-hmm. all bunch, whole manner of ways to become more self-aware mm-hmm. and different things work for different people. Um, another tool is just like adopting this mindset of stress plus rest equals growth and really helping people think about what does that mean in your career? What does that mean in your personal life? Mm-hmm. Are you actually having that ebb and flow? If not, what's getting in the way? And are you the accountability? Kind yeah, of I, I, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, a- accountability in then, you know, ask, trying to ask questions so that they can come to the answer themselves versus because mm-hmm. I don't know their lives. I don't know their work, but hopefully I can ask the right questions to help them figure it out. Have you ever run with clients? Um, I have not run with clients. I think that would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. To work yeah. out. Do a run. Yeah. Do a peak performance run. Yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> Just fold everything together, right? Yeah, that's, what that's a good want, idea. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And film that. Yeah. You should film that. All right, maybe... Um, I can't run seven miles, but maybe Dave will, Dave will no, run seven miles I'll, with you. I'll do two. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do two. Um, have you been a runner your whole life? No, I played team sports growing up. Okay. I started running in college. Mm-hmm. So like for the last 10, 12 years, I've run. And what's a good run for you? Is it seven miles, 10 miles? It so depends. I mean, when, I, when I'm... Like if I were just to go out and do my perfect run, it's probably like eight to nine miles, okay. which is like an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, depending on the pace. Mm-hmm. So what's your pace? Um, for a marathon or for that run? For that run. Like just like my cruise pace? Yeah. 7.30 to 8. Okay, cool. That's safe. Safe. That's safe. Dave, yeah, I don't have Dave, that got for that. nine miles. But yeah, I'm not um, like blazing like <laughs> 6.20 miles on my cruise pace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I cruising. See some, of those, just like, see some of those Strava or whatever, you know, posts on Ryan Holiday has been running really fast. I see. And yeah. he's, he's a new, he's a Garmin watch guy yeah. that I see. Yeah. Dude's on fire. I, he, 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 and I, he and I are like pen pals. We're email buddies. And, um, I was always kind of like the runner yeah. expert in that relationship, but that's changing fast. Dude's flying. You know what we need to, this is weird put together. I'm reading his book, which this is, is a small uh, world. Yeah. It's everything's a small world. Like we need to put together a Brad, Ryan holiday and rich, rich roll run do. and yeah. we will film that breakfast. So, so let's Throw make down. that happen. We, I will lay bets. I've, yeah. I've emailed these guys about yeah. doing something yeah. just like that. Well, rich, rich roll is the man. Yes. Um, I really like Rich. I've had the good fortune of now meeting him personally. I've gotten mm-hmm. to spend some time on the phone with him in addition to that. Um, I think that in the the self-help kind of personal development mm-hmm. space, there are a lot of people with ideas, but they're not very authentic. Mm. Rich is so authentic. Authentic, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I have had a man crush on Rich for quite some time. I know you guys Join said you did. So yeah. he, 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 he put me, he put me onto him. And, uh, I think actually the first, the first time I saw was he was given a deck, like a talk to our company. Yeah. And he always puts like, he always starts the deck, like for a company meeting with a inspirational quote or just something. And it was like, he had just listened to a, a new episode of Rich's podcast and there's a picture and Rich is just like you know, shredded. And he's like, this guy, this guy's 50 years old, shredded. And I was like, all right, that's all I need to know. So I started Googling him. (laughs) Yeah. And then I got the book and I read, you know, and I I read the book and I started listening to podcasts. And I think, and usually 
Like I would never, I was never interested in, in, you know, plant-based diet, vegan running. Like I've always played team sports. I work out, do CrossFit, that type of stuff. Now I was yeah. never interested in that stuff, but his take on all that stuff has gotten me to change my mind and just be like, this is a real dude who has like real takes. I'm like, okay, this is what's interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, he's, he's great. Let's put that run together. Let's put it together. Yeah. Yeah. I will I will only be available to film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's wrap up with this. So you talked about Rich and, and Ryan Holiday, but um what are your like, you know, what what are some of the books that you recommend most to to other people? I know you're a big reader and learner, so His own book Peak Performance. Your own yeah, okay. shout out to Peak Performance. Watch the uh check your Amazon stats after this. After this. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, that Amazon author rank, yep. it's garbage. <laughs> like it, there's no correlation between that and books. So, I mean, there yes. is some correlation, but it's, it's not, there's a lot of noise mm-hmm. yeah. and it's garbage because as an author, it just like makes you crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Neurotic. Like I, again, like I write about this kind of stuff and I told myself like when the book comes up, I'm not going to be like the rat in the dopamine experiment <laughs> clicking on it. Totally. And I was the rat in the dopamine experiment. You're clicking just like, on this it. thing is not refreshing. And, and it, right. Yeah. And, but, and but at the end like, of the, how, at how the, end you, of the week, yeah. I just felt like worn in, in, in the first in, week. Yeah. And everyone told me, everyone's like, don't do it. You're going to do it. It's a waste of emotional energy. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. Like, yeah. I, like this is what I Have write about. Have you read my book? Have you <laughs> right. read my book? I'm, performance I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And then I did it. And then at the end of the first week, I'm like, well, that was dumb. And now like the next one, <laughs> yeah. I won't do it. But yeah. like, it's, you have to just live through it. Well, and also mm-hmm. like the... I, like this is a the the point of you creating this book isn't so people would buy it in in x weeks or x months like uh, i'm assuming you wanted to write this book because you wanted to create something that lasted and this totally i want it to be relevant 10 years from now right Mm -hmm. and so um shout out to ryan right and then and then so like the thing you can't quantify is like him texting me out of the blue on a saturday like with a link to an amazon book and that that book that's been out for 40 years and he's like buy this Mm -hmm. right right where does that like in conversations like this like yeah. like the 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 real fruit of the book is meeting people like you guys like kindred spirits yeah. having good conversations and that's how the idea spread and that's so disconnected from sales in the first week, week. Yeah. yeah and totally. this is everything that we talk about in, in sales and marketing it's like there's the the way that people buy and find out about things today is never this linear thing like book launch go to amazon purchase referral link right another purchase like but but it's interesting so now after and maybe i'm curious to hear what you guys think like as you coach like new employees and whatnot Mm -hmm. after my own experience i'm tempted now like not to try to get people like not to click on that and just you know focus on the process not results because i think it's almost impossible i think you just have to be like yup like go do it live through it click on the thing for a week and come out the other side and you realize it's dumb Totally. We, what we say, like, internally is just, like, just focus on the quality of the work. Just keep doing it. It's the reps and the sets. That's yes. what we talk about all the yeah. time. And Let the result take care of itself. And the yeah, results we, will we, take care of themselves. Even And don't expect things to be simple A plus B plus C equals D. Right? Yeah. Because they're never linear like that. Right? Yeah. Everything is... And, uh, and people will always ask, like, well, how do you know that's going to work? And it's like, because you'll have conversations like this, like, that tell you... That someone literally tells you, I just read your book. Right. I bought two copies of it. Do you want to do a podcast? And people are like, well, that stuff does not show up on a simple A-B test and a right. Google Analytics number. Right. You, you said something that I'm going to latch on. It's going to bring, bring me back to Dave's question about mm-hmm. books. Yeah. So my favorite book ever is a book called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And in the book, the, the author, he actually recently passed away, Robert Persig, talks about quality. And he uses a capital Q for quality because to him, quality is an event and it's the space between mm-hmm. an act, or excuse me, the space between an actor or actress and his or her act. 
So when you are writing a book, quality is what occurs between you and like the writing. If you are working on developing software, it's like the effort that you're putting in. It's like the conversation between you and the software. Mm-hmm. And that's the quality that you should focus on. And if you can create those quality experiences yep. and that quality space between you and what you're doing, then the result will have quality with a lowercase q. Mm-hmm. Every but like the yeah. real quality that you're after is the quality of the experience. Because yep. like, A, that's what makes a life worth living, first and foremost. And B, if there's a quality experience, then the result we'll have will it. have quality. Yes. Absolutely. It's everything I that love we that. talk about. The standard, you know, the Bill, Bill Walsh standard of performance, like, you know, why we show up every day. And people always expect it to work. be, people always expect, like, they people want to know, like, how you sold books. And they're you're like, well, you know, I did an email blast to 100,000 people. I did some Facebook ads. Yeah. I did a couple, <laughs> you know, I did a whatever. Like, but they don't, they don't actually want to know that it's, it's like, we call it hand-to-hand combat. Every yeah. day, just which is like just sense. the one-to-one conversations. And most people, most people aren't willing to think of that as a marketing strategy, like right. the one-to-one conversations, like why is it worth it for you to do something like this, right? Why is it worth us to find some random person who tweeted about drift and send them a hat and a t-shirt and a handwritten note? Like people right. don't, people don't want to hear that stuff. Yep. Totally. But that's the truth. And, and, it, and I think it's a mindset shift because like, you're like, why is it worth it for me to do something like this? Well, I, like, I'm enjoying this conversation mm-hmm. a ton. Right. But if you're, the way you're thinking about marketing is like, I need to talk to 200 people today and I'm going to go through this script, you're not going <laughs> to enjoy any of those conversations. Yeah, yeah. And that quality is going to show And the quality, through. because there's no quality in the conversation. Yep. But if you approach the conversation like, this is going to be a quality experience, mm-hmm. A, you're going to enjoy the work more, and B, you're probably more likely to convert based on that conversation. Totally. And what's the best place for people to find you on the internets? Um, so the best place on the internets is probably Twitter where okay. I'm at B Stolberg. Okay. And then my website is www.bradstolberg.com. That's awesome. So people grab a copy of his book, Peak Listen Performance. Up. I've got it on my phone right here and at home, right? Thank grab you. a copy. Awesome book and shout out, leave a six star review and mention Brad in the six-star review. Yes. And tell him how many copies of the book you've bought. <laughs> totally. I'm going to let him know. Yeah. And hopefully... Live, live from Oakland, you can see my um, <laughs> my humble kitchen here. Yeah. Some and dishes in the sink. Caitlin, my wife. This sorry. Those, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Caitlin. Those will get done. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and what we're going to do is put together... We're going to work on putting together a run between uh, Brad, yes. Rich Roll... And Ryan Holland. Set it up. Let's with make it with Twitter, anything can happen. Anything Set it up. Just happen. put some pressure Rich, on those guys. We're going to send this. We'll send this out to Rich and Ryan right after this. It's going to happen. Uh, and don't forget the formula. We'll get, let's, let's hit him with the formula one more time. It's stress plus, stress plus rest equals growth. And, and don't fall for the illusion of balance. Don't be scared to go all in. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.